Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Y'all, I fully expect a release of resurrection power before we leave here tonight. So if you got any dead things, get ready for them to live. Dead faith, live. Dead relationships, live. Live. Before we dismiss our praise team I want to read our text tonight out of Ephesians chapter 1 begin reading in verse 19 out of the passion translation I pray that you will continually experience we can preach right there I pray that we continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to us through faith. Wow. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it is worked through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place high highest honor and supreme authority in heavenly realms this is our jesus tonight and now he is exalted as first above every ruler authority government and realm of power in existence they just think they're in charge he is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised not only in this age but in the age that is coming can we give him one more shout of praise our ruling king our mighty god who sits in the heavens and laughs at them yes he is awesome in this place hallelujah thank you so much team thank you you can be seated tonight hallelujah These verses, these three verses that I had just read to you are the most power-packed verses in our Bible. They contain within them five Greek power words. The first one is dunamis. Dunamis is miraculous power. It's the power that we receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon us to make us messengers it means ability or power to perform miracles or strength the second power word exousia or it means authority is when jesus said all power or authority has been given into me in heaven and earth it is actually means jurisdiction power of government to make judicial decisions it is the right to act in power 
So for those of you that think we're foolish because we decided to make Friday nights nights that we take territory and we legislate in the spirit realm and we take judicial authority over governmental powers and spirits of wickedness in high places, just want you to know that as a born-again child of God, you have a right to live and to walk in authority. It was given to Jesus, and Jesus has given it to his church. The number three Greek word here is uh, energia, and, and it is an energizing power. I, I'm, I'm giving you these for a reason. It means an energizing work of power. See, some of these power words are power within themselves, but they actually make more uh, other power active. The fourth, the fourth Greek power we find in this text is, is kratos. Kratos means dominion power. It means effective power. It means manifested power. It means this power when it comes upon us and when we begin to function in it gives us the ability to dominate any situation until we complete our assignment. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. Because if you felt like giving up and you felt like the, the burden is too great and the assignment is too big, all you need is a good dose of Kratos. All you need is a good dose of the power of God, this Kratos power that can come upon you and it helps you stay in the fight until you finish the assignment. The fifth and the last power word that we find in this text is iskus. Iskus, it means prevailing power. It literally is the, it, the Greek word for can do. I can do all things. I can do all things. It's a power that comes upon us. It's an abiding power to continue and to endure to the end until you overcome. It is an overcoming power. And when you are pushing for breakthrough and it just seems like you can't get through, you can count on God to sustain you with this isku power. It will come and it will cause you to prevail. The reason I'm going through these five words is because you have to understand when God got ready to resurrect Jesus, he used all of these powers. He combined them all to bring Jesus up out of that tomb. You see, he had all power. He was all in. He didn't just say, I'm going to give a little bit to get him out. He said, I'm going to give it all to get him out. All hell was trying to keep him in that tomb, that dark, lonely tomb. Death had wrapped him up, and it wasn't going to let go. But God said, and he said it come out, and he released all combined power that he possessed until it literally rocked the earth and brought Jesus up out of a tomb. You ever wonder why he sent the angels? One at the head and one at the foot because they had to unwrap him maybe. 
Can you imagine him laying there and all of a sudden the power of God jolts his dead body and life comes back into him and the angel, as his eyes open up, unwraps his head and begins to unwrap his body and he stood up full of resurrection power. Oh, it wasn't a big deal. God just said, let me show you what I got. You see, the resurrection is the greatest demonstration of God's all-in power. Nothing equals or exceeds this Ephesians 1, 19, 21 kind of power. No way, no way. You, you do understand, don't you, that God and Satan are not in a tug of war. Satan is not his equal. Satan is defeated. God didn't even get up off his throne to kick him out of heaven. Gabriel, Michael, get him out of here. I got better things to do than mess with him. This power that I'm going to talk about tonight is, a, is, a, is this power. Raise Jesus from the dead power. It is a Jesus ascending into heaven power. It is an everything under his feet kind of power. It is Jesus ahead over all things power. I want you to know this is a combined power that God is about ready to unleash upon the face of this earth. And we're going to see something that we have never seen before. You really want to hear some good news? The good news in our Bible says is that the same power is moving toward us right now. The same power, not less power, uh, not another power, but the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is moving toward his church right now. And every dead thing is about to live again. That's good news. Because ain't nobody and ain't nothing can stop his power. Can we put on our faith, put our faith on this resurrection weekend? There's somewhere between Saturday night and Sunday morning that God releases a five-fold level of power. That this will be one of the most power-filled years. This will be one of the most power-filled resurrection Sundays that we have ever had. While the religious march in and give their tithe and sing their resurrection once a year songs. And as they march in and take their once a year communion and do their religious stuff. March in and march out with no connection with God whatsoever. Can we believe that God's about ready to lose something over his hungry desperate people that this earth has never 
seen except 2,000 years ago when God said, get up. This is really almost mind-blowing to wrap our mind around resurrection power because it contained these five Greek power words. All this power available. But most of the Pentecostal movement is in a power outage. Oh, I come to beat something down. You know, a power outage is simply when energy loses contact or power from its source, original source, is interrupted and its destination does not receive the fullness or any of that power and it becomes dark. See, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in the late 1940s, the Pentecostal church began a quest of achieving acceptance through accommodation. Oh yeah, it, it goes all the way that far back. You see, you know, it's hard for us today to imagine that the Pentecostal church and the Pentecostal movement had very humble beginnings. They were people that had had substantial spiritual encounters. They were very, how can I say, very edgy. You know, edgy, edgy. I'm, I'm trying to think of the right word. Maybe, okay, they were like holy rollers. They were like wild dancers. Their music was louder than most places. They never really had the nicest buildings and, 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 and they didn't have always in the nicest place of town. But if you really wanted to find God, you knew where to go. You knew if you went there, there was going to be a presence in that place. There was going to be a people that would pray with you and believe with you. A people that would believe that the power of Satan could be broken. A people that would believe that a sickness had to come out. A people that would get some oil and put their hands on you and they would pray until everything they used to have a, a phrase called praying through praying through praying through that means if you got if they got you to the altar they weren't going to let you go until you got through well 
Well, they begin this journey to achieve acceptance by accommodation. They wanted to be accepted by mainstream denominations and, 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 and mainstream society. They, they wanted a little more respect. So they began backing off a little bit. Oh, they would sing the same songs. It just, maybe not with quite as much passion and fervor. Pray the same prayers and preach the same messages, but more respectably. Is anybody hearing the preacher? So during this time, there was a shift in the church. And all of a sudden, middle class people and families started gracing the Pentecostal churches. And it began a time of growth. But what was happening is they weren't growing from new converts. What they were doing is they were beginning to gather nominal Pentecostals, neo-Pentecostals, and non-Pentecostals. They all begin to grace because they realize, well, this ain't that bad. And it's really got, it's, 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 it's a little more exciting than, you know, my, 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 my church I went to last week. So it's got a little more life to it. I like that. It's good. It's not as bad as I heard it was. So, you know, it, it began to grow. It began to gain momentum. It began to get more respectability and culture and from the other denominations. Before, they were like the scourge. Before, if you were a Pentecostal, I mean, you know, you, 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 you were like low, low, low on the totem pole there. They didn't have no respect for you at all. And so, so they began this downward slide. It looked like they were headed up, but in reality they were headed down because the price they had to pray and never forget accommodation never comes without a price and the price was is they had to lose the Pentecostal oh not all of them but many of them lost the Pentecostal distinctive of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the in the in the presence of God coming into the church and being the most important person there and what, we, what, what they did not understand or what they did not perceive or what they could not get a hold of, what they could not get a hold of was when, you, when they gave up their Pentecostal distinction, there was a diminishing presence of God's power. Because you can't have power without his presence. You see, the lack of power is a result of diminishing presence. When I got to this point, and I was thinking about this journey, even from the late 40s now, into the into 2021. That in 1960, in 1970, was the charismatic movement. Now the charismatic movement had very little 
impact upon classical Pentecostals. What's a classical Pentecostal? I'm a classical Pentecostal. A classical Pentecostal believes that you're saved through the blood of Jesus. And that salvation is a spiritual encounter and you are born again and you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And once you do that, then you need to experience a subsequent experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Where you are filled with the Spirit and the Spirit of God comes upon you and you receive your heavenly language and you pray in an unknown tongue. And you believe in sanctification, you believe in righteousness, you believe in living right and holiness, you believe in all these things. You see, see, that's a classical Pentecostal. Um, uh, 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 so, so what happened was they began to loosen things a little bit. And much of the church in the Pentecostal realm took on this Neo-Pentecostalism. And Neo-Pentecostalism means you still believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're still very interested in the gifts of the Spirit. But you know what? I'm not not so much on holiness. And so the Pentecostal church began to grow with Neo-Pentecostals. And they began to grow with those that were interested in the things of the Spirit. But really didn't have any interest in, 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 in interest in sanctification, in holiness, and in living right. But in order to make them feel comfortable in our churches so our churches could continue to grow, we had to accommodate. And the only way to accommodate that is you got to back off on your preaching. you got to make sure you don't hit sin too often. you got to make sure you don't hit to hell too often. you got to make sure you don't hit sanctification and holiness too often. Just go ahead and deal with Holy Ghost and tongues and gifts and we'll all get along. But you got to understand, it all comes together. I'm trying to move through this right here, but what I want us to understand something is that we know this. And out of that, we, we, the, the, the Pentecostal movement took on a new name, and it was actually a name that, was, that came to us during the charismatic movement. What's the charismatic movement? Charismatic in its purest form is when the Methodist and the Lutheran and the Presbyterian, they all began to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost. They began to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. They began to become interested in the gifts of the Spirit, and, and they're begin a revival in these domin- these uh, denominal mainline churches uh, and they begin to see God move but the only thing is uh, they weren't quite as fiery as the classic Pentecostals uh, so the Pentecostals said well if you're going to be Pentecostal and you're going to take our Holy Ghost uh, and you're going to take our gifts uh, you better come to our churches uh, they said no we're not coming to your church uh, we're going to go over here and we're going to go back to our mainline uh, and, and, and we're going to loose the power of God in this uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying the charismatic movement was right. I'm just saying that some of classical Pentecostal preachers and churches gave in to accommodate, gave up the fire so those that were receiving a new move of God would come to them. And the Pentecostal leadership gave us a name and they called it New Pentecost. Can I preach? And today they call it soft Pentecost. Soft Pentecost. There ain't no soft Pentecost up in this house. 
If we're going to go, we're going to go hard. We're going to go all in. We ain't holding nothing back. I'm not reaching for something that's less. I'm reaching back into my past where there was a glory and a power. I'm classical Pentecostal. You got a problem with that? I was thinking that might make a good t-shirt. I'm a classical Pentecostal. You got a problem with that? Look, I know many of you came in through the charismatic movement and you made your journey all the way up in here. I can applaud you. So I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to say it was wrong. I'm just trying to say God was like, God has a sense of humor. He said, classical Pentecostals, you're going to go, you're going to go soft. I'll just jump over you and I'll get up in the Catholic church. I'll get up in the Methodist church. I'll get up in the Lutheran church. Because if you won't have all of me, I'll find me somebody that will. So I was thinking again of the woman with the issue of blood. And I was thinking about the fact that our Bible, we, we know the story. I, I don't have to spend a lot of time here. We know the story. She had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. She went to all the physicians until she ran out of money. But grew all the worse. She is now titled unclean and is not supposed to get close or touch anyone. Social distancing. I think I'm about to wear some people out. I can't even find my mask anymore. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. And she hears, she hears that Jesus is coming to town. And she says to herself, because ain't nobody else to talk to. And she says to herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment. I will be made whole. Jesus is in town and she begins her journey and she's pressing against a crowd that is surrounding Jesus and she says to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment and she presses and she presses. And every time she presses, she gets closer to his presence. Closer to his presence. Closer to his presence. She could have stopped, but she kept pressing. And she kept pressing. And she kept pressing. And she kept pressing. Until she got there. And she reached out. And she touched the hem of his garment. And when she touched his garment, our Bible says power. Somebody shout power. Power came out of him. And power went up in her body and power healed her and made her whole 
This is what the Holy Spirit told me a few weeks ago. He said, tell your people to keep on pressing into my presence. But when they get closer to my presence, tell them to pull all my power. Keep pressing. Start pulling. I'm pressing in, but I'm pulling down. I, I, I love the passage translation here in Matthew 530. It says, talking about Jesus, when she touched him, he felt power. Watch this. That always surged around him. Passed through him for someone to be healed. You got, you got to see this. You got, you got to see this. That Jesus had a power, a power, an anointing, an energy, a power uh, all around him. I don't know if it was visible or not. He, the, the, the Passion Translation just translates more literally in the Greek and in the Arabic. And it says that there was, an, uh, there was a power surging, surging, sur- moving, moving all around Jesus. And when she got through the crowd, isn't it interesting that all the crowd was touching him too? But they didn't pull on the power. But this woman pulled on the power. This woman pulled on. It was always there. But only one little woman pulled on the power. You see, you got to be hungry to keep pressing. And you got to be desperate to pull on the Later, we understand why. Because Jesus said, your faith. Has made you whole. She pulled on the power with her faith. A surge is defined as a sudden powerful movement. You know, if you're watching a, a, a car race or a horse race or something like that, and all of a sudden the one that is maybe in second or third place. Pulls ahead of him. They say, oh, they just surged ahead. It's a sudden move forward. I was thinking. What took place in the early 40s. Or late 40s and then up into the 50s. And even into the 60s. You know, the likes of John G. Lake and Amy Simple McPherson, Mariah Woodworth Etter, Wigglesworth, they were gone. The church had slid into a power outage. But there was enough of those. Still in the church, they remembered. They still remembered Amy Simple McPherson. They still remembered Smith Wigglesworth. They remembered those power revivalists. They remember them. They remembered enough that they missed the days of manifestation. 
And at the same time, there was a new generation rising. There was a generation rising in the Pentecostal church that was hearing what we believe. But wondering, are we ever going to experience what we believe? One generation was looking for what had been. While the other generation was looking for something that had not yet happened. And it created a cry. It was the cry that gave way to one of the greatest revival movements our nation has ever seen. It was the cry that gave way, oh, to the healing revival, to the voice of healing movement. It was the voice that gave way to William Branham, Oral Roberts, Jack Coe, A.A. Allen, and a slew of others came out of obscurity, shaking the earth with the power of God. Throwing up tents all over this nation, filling them by the thousands. While the churches were too small to hold the crowds and to accommodate, they threw up the tents and they prayed over the sick and they were healed. They prayed over the bound and demons came out. They, they gave out the gospel and by the hundreds people were converted. What I'm saying is simply this and why I'm even telling this story. I believe that God will do it again if there is a cry from the earth this is God I remember how it used to be and a generation that says I've heard it but I've got to see it in my generation can give birth to the greatest move of God ever yes so we come to the 21st century Pentecostal movement Very few speak in tongues, preach about Holy Spirit baptism in tongues. Ask those that do speak in tongues, please do it privately. If you would like to be filled, we'll take you to a room. Hey, if they say they're taking you to a room, run. I'm just saying. Preachers won't preach about it. Oh, we still have it in our, our doctrine. We still have it in 17 fundamentals. It's still, it's still one of our power doctrines. It's still all of that, but very few people anymore. You would be shocked. I thank God that most people are shocked how many people in this house speak in tongues. I used that because that was the demarcation. That was the, that was the rub. That was the thing that was hard to take. Many churches no longer believe in miracles unless they happen instantly. What do you mean? I mean, they don't believe in waiting on miracles and working for miracles. Just give it to me now or I'm moving on. Very few churches preach on the second coming. Of Jesus. I'm talking about the 21st century church. See when I was raised. In a classical Pentecostal church. By a classical Pentecostal mom and dad. 
I heard baptism in the Holy Spirit all the time. I heard Jesus is coming all the time. I lived in fear. I would even walk in my mom and dad's bedroom some night just to make sure the rapture didn't take place. And I was pretty saved. And we wonder why people act like no eternity's coming because we never talk about it. No longer are churches led by apostles. They have administrative leaders, visionaries, hire people to preach. So you see, when that happens, the message changes. You move from contending to community messages. You move from things that are confrontational to things that are comfortable. Because you're trying to create an atmosphere that ain't even real. Right. 21st century really has no spiritual vision. Oh, they have vision. They have no spiritual vision. You see, vision is the domain of the apostle and the prophets. They are to take the spiritual vision and they're to release it to the body of Christ. But when you have no apostles and you have no prophets and you have administrators running churches, then the movement that watches over those churches loses Pentecost. And the reason it loses Pentecost is because it loses its ability to see the mighty hand of God moving in their future. In other words, they don't believe what he did before he's going to do again. So they feel like if we're going to have any simile of a church and have any success at all, then we are going to have to make this thing happen. And we're going to have to make something that people want to come to, that people feel comfortable with. Here again, we are accommodating for acceptance. But I come to tell you right now, God's raising up the apostles and the apostles, and they're not just going to plan programs. They're not just going to have projects, but instead... They're going to work until we see the power of God move in his church again. Yes. You see, with all of that said and all of that in mind, then, then, then I believe in that every generation has the responsibility to believe for the most powerful, forceful display of revival power that has ever been demonstrated upon the earth. What am I saying? I'm saying we are set here for such a time as this. We have an assignment, church. He doesn't need AA. Allen right now. He doesn't need Oral Roberts right now. He doesn't need Smith Wigglesworth right now. He needs you to rise up and fight for a greatest move of God ever. Strung all over the Pentecostal movement are churches that exploded on the scene with God's power. But today they are museums of past experiences. Too many of our churches are living on 
diminished energy of a previous revival. It was Duncan Campbell, the Scottish revivalist who stewarded the Lewis Awakening, who, who said himself before revival came, he said, I was clinging to the decaying threads of past experiences. The psalmist said, will you revive us again? Will you revive us again? And I hear a voice from heaven emphatically saying, yes, I will. So why are you preaching this message here? You're preaching to the choir. Because not only does it take effort to step into revival, it takes effort to sustain revival. Let me talk about real quickly, because will you do it again, Lord? There's, there's the thing called the precedent of power. Precedence of power. Precedent is a principle that once was but still applies today. You see, biblical and historical precedents show us that God has the ability to make anything he wants to happen. He has the power to do that. And what he has done before, he is bound to do again. You see, past precedent bears weight on a present situation. When past precedent bears weight on a present situation, God's power then is the same today as it always has been. Psalm 68, 28, the NIV says, Summon your power, God. Show us your strength, our God, as you have done before. As you have done before. Have you ever noticed... When God is dealing and God is speaking to the children of Israel, that he keeps reminding them of their deliverance from Egypt. The reason he does that is because they were stuck in what God had done for them. And so he said, I want to remind you, I was there. It was by my mighty hand of power that I brought you out. You didn't just come out. I brought you out. And I just want you to know that I did it then and I can do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, it's important that we understand this because we need to summon the power. 
This herein lies, I know I'm dealing with something, but it's important right now. This, this, this here lies the danger of what theologians call textualism. Textualism assumes that if the Bible says something, then as a believer, I must have that. I must have it. Not, not, not like I'm going to get it, but I have it. I have it now. Because the Bible says I have it. I have it. You see, our Bible is very emphatic that God is a God of power. So therefore, power is available. Since God is power and power is available, then I have power. Even though I have no proof of power. Textualism is okay with that. Textualism is okay with reading through the scripture and seeing the power of God over and over again released to God's people and never ever see his power demonstrated. See, textualism says it's okay. I haven't ever seen it. And I have not ever experienced it, but I believe he's a God of power. So textualism is saying, I don't have to have an experience of God's power. I just must believe he's the God of power. But Tozer says, textualism is simply orthodoxy without Holy Spirit. You see, truth must be experienced before it is fully known. It doesn't do the church any good to run around and shout it. He's a God of power. If we never release power. If we never see a demonstration of power. I'm trying to build our faith tonight to understand there are levels of power that we have not seen yet. But get ready, church. Don't put down your faith. Believe. You see, the danger of this is when this belief system of textualism gets into the core of a church, it creates a power vacuum. And that power vacuum must be filled. So we fill it with humanist innovation humanistic innovation with systems and with structures that can run without holy spirit and these systems and these structures and the these uh, uh these human efforts are, are are slick enough are powerful enough and are sharp enough to produce crowds to produce money and to produce community but they have no power to produce holy ghost empowerment So in this absence of power, the church moves from being spiritual to being carnal. So therefore, the only hope for the church is revival. I say it's time to summon the God of power. 
I say it's time to keep pressing. And to start pulling. We must summon the God of power. See, I want you to get this. Because before we ever experience the power of God. We must experience the God of power. It's about presence. If we just go after power, we're going to miss the whole thing. The whole thing is about pressing into his presence. We've all heard our definition of revival here. Revival is a sustained, is the sustained presence and power of God leading to transformation. Our Bible says in Psalm 62, 11, God has spoken once, twice. I have heard this, that power belongs to God. I've got to teach you a couple of things right now because you see it's time for the church to get a real understanding of the power of God. We need to understand who the God of power is. We need to understand what he carries. We need to understand when he rends the heavens and come down, mountains of the earth shakes and mountains melt. We need to understand the very presence of God is more than we think it is. You see, the authority of a kingdom is determined by the amount of power the king possesses. Some kings serve other kings because the other king has more power. The good news is that all power belongs to God. All power originates from God. He is himself power. No wonder Satan hates revival. Because the closer we get to God, the more power is within our reach. This is why, like the little woman, we keep pressing and we keep pressing until we get close enough to pull on the power. The power's always there. It's can I get close enough to the God of power that I can pull on the power of God? Yes. You see, it really, it's like two zones. The presence zone and the power zone. They're inseparable You can't have one without the other. When you get in the presence zone, then you're moving into an atmosphere, an atmosphere of God that reaches a measurable manifestation that must be responded to. You're either going to run into it or you're going to run away from it. You're either going to surrender to it or you're going to resist it. You're either going to be saturated in it or you're going to repel it. You're going to love it or you're going to hate it. But you will not ignore it. It may make you mad. You may roll through your cell phone. 
You may act like I don't want to be there. I ain't sinning up. But I guarantee you, you can't ignore it. Holy Ghost is all over you. Presence is all over you. You've got to know this place is different. It ain't like fries. It ain't like Wendy's. This place is different than any place I've ever been in. And it's messing me up. I'm talking about his presence. I'm talking about his presence. His presence demands a response. Man, I got something. Lord, help me. Do, should I do this, Lord? Should I say this, Lord? Should I, Lord? Should I, Lord? Let me speak to the five-fold ministry right now. And let me talk to you. Because when you walk up in the house of God and the presence of God is in that place, don't you be flipping out your cell phone. I'm talking to you, fivefold ministry. I'm talking to the prophet, the apostle, the teacher, and the evangelist. I'm talking to you, pastor. When you get in the presence of God, don't you walk in there and act like it's no big deal when your praise and worship team have just busted their tail to get God's presence up in that house and a whole corporate worship experience has brought glory in there. Don't you flip out that cell phone and act like you're somebody. You ain't somebody. You're not being cool. You're not being relevant. If anything, you're being irrelevant and you're not the one we worship we worship the king hey somebody shout yes I just said that out loud somebody's got to say it we got too much foolishness going on we got too many big eyes and little U's we got to know there ain't no when God comes we can all get on our knees we can all worship we can all praise you ain't busy I'm doing work. You ought to get your work done before you get in the presence. I don't know. I just had to say that. You know what? When I was on the phone, y'all can sit down. I was on the phone a few weeks ago with a general, Pastor John Kilpatrick, and we were talking about some things, and he just breaks out. He says, don't ever forget. Revival is a holy thing. Because presence is a holy thing. We don't, we don't get to enjoy and experience what we experience in here. Because we come in here lazy and preoccupied. I'm serious, man. Fivefold, if you can't worship, I don't need to hear what you got to say. This ain't Hollywood. We don't roll out the red carpet. That's what I'm talking about. Get me on this camera right here. You got me? You got me? I ain't joking. I'm not messing. Oh, I got two. Two for the price of one. I'm done messing around with it. I ain't got no more patience with it. You want to come up in this house and enjoy what God is doing in this house? Because there are hundreds of people that have paid a price to get what we got in this place. It's not free. It's not cheap. It's glory. Somebody say yes. 
Hey! 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 You're welcome in this place. I want you in this place, but don't think I gotta have you in this place. This is holy. You can go. Now I am all messed up. Somebody shout presence. You know, no one gets up in the morning and says, I think I'll quench the Holy Ghost today. I think I'll just quench the Spirit today. But unfortunately, many of us are seduced away from the core value of revival. His presence. Everything emanates from his presence. Don't buy the lie, church. That revival... It's supposed to be temporary. If revival is supposed to be temporary, why is it available to every generation? Maybe, I'm just saying, maybe outpourings are supposed to be temporary. You know, deluges of God's glory and presence. But maybe revival is supposed to be normal. Maybe we're some of the most normal people in the kingdom. They may think we're abnormal. They may think we're the wild ones and the crazy ones. But maybe we're just normal. just saying maybe God has been looking for a generation that will value his presence and that refuse to live without it a generation that says God we honor you we value whatever you need for us to do we'll live in the realm of repentance we'll live in the realm of idols giving up idols and surrender and sacrifice Paul said oh that I might know him and the resurrection of his the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings you know why he said that because he knew to experience resurrection power there had to be a price to pay and people that don't pay the price don't value the presence Lord help the preacher so that's the present zone. Not a lot of depth in that, but it was the present zone. Then there's the power zone. The power zone is a space and time where the activity of God reaches such a high level of energy that saving, healing, and delivering power 
cannot be resisted. This is what happened to the woman with the issue of blood. She pressed and she pressed and she pressed until she slipped out of just being in his presence to being in his power. And power came out of him. She could not resist the carnival all around him. The religious were all around him. But one little woman with faith and perseverance and hunger and desperation said, I'm going to keep pressing until I pull on his power. You know, God's power is a very interesting thing. See, God's power can be delegated but never diminished. You see, earthly kingdoms and earthly kings, their power comes from their subjects. No king has absolute power in themselves. If their soldiers don't fight, they lose power. If their police refuse to keep the law, they lose power. If the people refuse to pay taxes, they lose their power. If people refuse to pay them homage, their power can be diminished overnight. But heaven's power structure is different than the earthly power structure. You see, see God's power is complete within himself. He doesn't draw resources. He doesn't draw power. He doesn't draw authority from anyone or anything else. Power belongs to God. All power comes from God. All power is on loan from God. All power goes back to God. Uh, you have to understand that he can delegate it, but he doesn't need it back. Ah, he can give it away, but he don't need it back because he just makes more power. He's exceeding powerful. If you whatever power he gives out, it comes right back in. He doesn't need you, so Lord, here's your power back. I don't need it. I already got all I need because I'm fullness of power. I contain all power. And whatever I give out, it just comes right back up on in me. Oh, ain't nobody hearing the preacher right now. I'm trying to let you know what power is available to the church. Resurrection power on this resurrection weekend. Somebody should power Power. so please understand a powerless church does not equate a powerless God but we must press until we get close enough to pull so with all that said then we understand revival power is not nebulous it is God's divine energy manifesting in a place through a people. I want to say this as I wrap this up tonight. God wants you to experience a power that is moving, living, reaching, and exceeding. 
even we in a revival church can settle when God's intent is to do more. What? Oh, let, let, let me go back to my story. Let, let me go back to the tent meetings and the power of God moving. Let me go back because you see, as powerful as that was, the powerful movement as it was, it didn't completely transfer from what God did under the tent back into the church. When the tents went away, the power went away. This, my friend, I believe is where we are today. Much of the Pentecostal movement all Pentecostal denominations across the board. We still believe in the God of power, but we see no power. Maybe God's pattern is simply to find a people somewhere who will keep pressing and start pulling on power surges. You know, I was making a copy. I, I, I downloaded the thing about power surges and all of that. I'm not going to use it because I, I, I don't need to. But, but I, 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 download, I, I sent it to the copier. All by myself. Right off my, right off my desktop, right over to the copier. And I got up and I went to get it. And the copier's off. I said, oh, man, I got to do it again. <laughs> do it again, Lord. So I go back, and I send it to the other copier. And I go to the other copier, and the power's out. Serious. Both copiers, no power. And I'm sending it a copy on a power surge. I don't know why I told you that. (laughs) But maybe God's plan is for there to be a people who are so hungry and so desperate to see his power manifest in the earth. Not because we're just hungry for power, but because we are hungry to see the demonstration of the God of power. I just don't want the power of God. I want the God of power. I want him in this house. I want him in your house. I want to see God step down. I want to see glory and healing and deliverance. Oh, I tell you what, when they got up under those tents, everything shifted and everything turned on mass. And it was mass healing, mass deliverance, mass conversion. I'm decreeing God's getting ready to do a thing of mass over his church. God's getting ready to release a level of resurrection power like we have never seen before. I have come to tell you, Fresh Start Church, Don't stop going after the next encounter. 
pressing. Keep pulling. Praise team, come. Everybody stand. You understand? There is a path of power. It begins in Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power. This is where many of us begin our journey in power. But I've got to tell you, church, as wonderful as it is, as important as it is, as necessary as it is to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because he said, when the Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive, shout it, power. I hear the Spirit saying, don't stop there. And it said, move on. Move on the path until you come to Acts 4.33. And it said, they had great power. It said, with great power. They gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, that's a good place to camp in the place of great power. But I can't stay there because I hear Apostle Paul calling me over to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 where he talks about there is an exceeding great power. Oh, I thought power was good. I thought great power was good. But there is an exceeding great power. A great power. Ah, oh, that's a good place to stop because the power just keeps on coming and keeps on coming. But then I hear the apostle call me into Hebrews chapter 6 verse 5. And he declares, there are those that have tasted the gifts of heaven those who have tasted power from another world. Ah, don't stop in the power. Don't stop in the great power. Don't stop in the exceeding great power. There is a place where you can pull power from another world. Somebody shout power. Not very many have made it there. The likes of John G. Lakes, Evan Roberts, Smith Wigglesworth, Maria Woodworth Etter, Oral Roberts, Jack Cole. somehow they slipped into the power of another world and when they laid hands on the blind they saw when they lay hands on the crippled they would walk when they picked up the deformed their bones would pop and crack and grow and become whole cancers would fall off diseases would bow Sinners would run to be saved. 
Masses would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and demons couldn't wait to get out. I've come to tell you, I believe God is looking for a remnant of people today. He's had his one, he's had his two, he had his three, he had the ones that slipped into that place. But I believe God is calling you, Fresh Star Church. God is calling you, Revival Family. God is calling you to a place where there is power from another world. If you haven't seen what you want to see yet, because there's power coming, there's a convergence of heaven coming upon the earth, and we'll get ready to see what we have never seen before. Somebody shout, power! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David Lloyd-Jones, he said revival means heaven on earth. What I need tonight is I need some people to run to the front of this building and say we are ready to press and to pull until the power comes. I woke up Thursday morning to the words of an old song I won't sing it for you but it said oh Lord send the power just now oh Lord send the power just now and baptize everyone oh Lord send the power church I don't know about you but every time I've been in an outage the first thing I want to know is when are they going to turn the power back on when are they going to turn the power back on I ask the question church when are we going to turn the power back on oh Lord send the power thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast where we exist to influence a nation with revival you can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.